Hi, everybody. Welcome to Dawn on Sports. I'm Don Mitchell, along with Jim Suhan. We have Chad Greenway coming up on this episode. We also talk about the Vikings' first win of the season, and not to be outdone, the Twins in the wild card. Now, by the time you get this, it may or may not be going on. We know how these things drop, but they want to break that 18-game losing streak in the postseason. Yes, this is the Dawn of Sports, our new show at TalkNorth.com. Dawn Mitchell from Fox 9. I'm Jim Suhan from the Minneapolis Star Tribune. Brandon Morton, as always, is our producer. Thanks to our sponsors, Rudy Luther, Toyota, and All Energy Solar. So, Dawn, we're both in Carolina, and, you know, on this show, we talk Minnesota sports, we talk about women's sports, we also talk about what it's like to report on sports, what it's like to be behind the scenes. And I just had a great example of why it's so valuable for us to actually be in the locker rooms after games. And, you know, sometimes we go in there and there's not much interesting going on. It happens. But sometimes after losses, people don't have much to say. That's fine. But this is this is a game. You and I are there. Harrison Smith has his biggest game in a long time. And I'm talking to him. And as I'm talking to him, Daniil Hunter comes over and grabs him by the neck and looks at me and says, this guy is a beast. This guy has always been a beast, you know, and just starts raving about him. Cam Bynum comes up behind him, starts doing the same stuff. It was very obvious that not only did they need to win, they also love Harrison Smith and they were so thankful that he was able to do that for them. Yes, this is Dawn of Sports with Don Mitchell from Fox 9. I'm Jim Suhan from the Star Tribune. Brandon Morton is our producer. Thanks to our sponsors, All Energy Solar, allenergysolar.com, and Rudy Luther Toyota. So, Don, uh, it was fun being in Carolina this weekend. Not just because the Vikings won, but, you know, what we do after games, we go try to get people to say interesting things. You know, try to get people to tell us, you know, how they feel, what happened in the game, maybe some give us some insights. And I just thought it was really cool to see Harrison Smith, who – really has not been that big of a factor as a pass rusher for a while now, uh, have that big game and then have his teammates just react to him the way they did in that locker room. Daniil Hunter came over and gave him this big hug and said, you know, turned to me and said, hey, this guy's a beast. And Cam Bynum came up and said, this guy's a Hall of Famer. It was very interesting to see Harrison Smith's teammates rally around him. You know, it was great, too. And, and that rare emotion that, you know, you saw Harry kind of hold in. I had a chance to talk to him you know, outside the locker room beforehand and just seeing him back in there again with the guys doing that, it just goes to show what kind of person he is and that they needed it. Like those three sacks he had, yes, they were huge, right? The strip sack that led to the touchdown. Great. But that last one, crucial moments. I mean, Harry came up and he just said to me, I had to do something. I just knew I had to do something. So I think maybe going through his head is I've been on this team way too long and, and I feel like I, I need to, I need to make something happen right now so that we don't go. Oh, and four, um, and kind of a desperation on Harry's part, perhaps. And man, you know, three sacks, a forced fumble. I, I agree with his teammates. Don't you? I mean, he is going to be in the hall one of these days. Yeah. I, I wondered a few years ago because, you know, a lot of Vikings people that we both like and respect were promoting him saying, hey, this guy should be in the Hall of Fame. And I'd look through the numbers. I'd look through the career and I go, OK, I, I can I certainly can see the case, but I don't know if it's going to be that easy for him. It's hard to get in the Hall of Fame and you're comparing, you know, modern day safeties against 
great running backs from the past and and mm. new wide receivers. It, the, it's such a complicated Hall of Fame because you have so many different positions, so many different statistical standards, different eras where statistics are hard to judge. But I, I think now when you look at some of the career statistical barriers he's broken through, I think it's going to be hard to argue against him. I think his body of work is just going to be so impressive he's going to get in. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, it's a hard position to be in to try to get to the Hall of Fame too, right? You know, I mean, sa safeties, you don't see that many of them going in there. And I just think when he has the respect of every other player around the league, you go to any team and you ask them and they all have this glowing love for him. Um, so that is the testament right there. You know, I'm not saying fellow people, I know they don't have the vote, but um, there's just so much more to his game that I think sometimes meets the eye when it comes to numbers. So, and I know it's numbers that get you into the hall, but whew, the numbers that they needed from him this weekend, they got, and it, it showed. You're right, in the locker room, it showed. You know who else I thought was interesting, uh, Jim, was uh, Marcus Davenport. Now, mm -hmm. as soon as he was in there and he was disruptive, you know, at first we thought he had a sack. They took, he ended the game with one of them. Um, he could have had two. I think they ended up giving it to someone else, but he was really down on himself in terms of the level of play. He says, I can play better. I, you know, I, my conditioning needs to be better, which I thought was a kind of cool for a guy who I thought was very disruptive and really got the team going defensive wise um, for him to be like, he, he's not at that level yet. And then I think I asked Jordan Hicks the same thing. He goes, well, he may not be at the level he wants to be, but we like the level that he brought today. So if he's going to be better, that's even better. So I thought he made a difference. Oh, he definitely did. And, uh, you know, they, they needed that. I mean, they blitzed less often and got to the quarterback more often, uh, which is a reflection both of Davenport being in the lineup and of Harrison Smith getting sent at, at just the right times. I, this is a game where you could see Flores, you know, doing – Partly, less partly, is the Panthers aren't that good, but also I think Davenport being in the lineup makes things blitzing more effective. Because in the in a last the a couple of the recent losses, Flores was just throwing everybody into the rush, just hoping that to, to, to cover up for his secondary. Right, right. Who uh, you know, you take the first one, you put it under your wing, and uh, maybe I can surprise the Chiefs. Oh, and by the way, I know we'll get to this, agree to disagree, but when it comes to the Chiefs, I've changed my tune when it comes to a certain person, Jim. Oh, that'll changed be interesting tune. to talk about. We, uh -huh. we will get to that here. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So Dawn of Sports is still a relatively new show. This is our third episode. First episode, our guest was Mark Rosen. Second was Jim Cott. This week, we have Chad Greenway, former Vikings general, uh, excuse me, I almost said general manager because I'm thinking of him <laughs> as a CEO these days, former Vikings linebacker who's now uh, into all kinds of interesting things he's going to tell us about uh, in terms of beer, coffee, vodka, uh, you know, business, local businesses, NIL money, uh, raising his daughters. So we're going to talk to him at the end of this show. And, and listen, we thank, we appreciate you listening. You have a lot of options out there. We appreciate you listening to this show. Uh, let's go ahead and go into uh, take it from us, our first our first segment here, and let's start. And this is a weird one because we're recording this right before the Twins play the first wild card game, so uh, first uh, playoff game. We're not going to talk about the games. We're not going to talk about the series because you might hear this later. I will just say this, Don: the 18 game losing streak entering this series has become just that easy thing for national media to grab onto because it's it's a record. It's a stunning record. It's ridiculous. And I'm, I just want to, I want it to go away. I want, you know, 
in our business, we don't root for the home teams, but I do root for stories and I want that story to go away. You know, absolutely. And I kind of feel for the guys that are on the team now, what there's maybe one or two that were even any right. part of the team. Right. So there's so many guys like that. That's uh, history. I'm not even part of it, but here's the deal. Here's the deal and why they need to win. And as of today, today will be game one. They need to win game one because all those guys that have not been part of it, if they lose, they are now 19. You know, they are now in the losing streak. They're part of it. So it, it, it all goes away and they, they have to have, you know, short memories and then move on. But it all goes away if they win game one, snap the streak. Because if not, I'm telling you, now you're part of history. Now you're part of a 19-game losing streak. And then you got to go into game two. So it makes it harder in my book. So just get it out of the way in game one. And one other twins note before we move on. Uh, I wrote about it in the paper the other day. Uh, it's just... It's sad that the Twins never get to the postseason healthy. You know, they've had mm. Sano and Buxton out. They've had uh, they've had uh, Morneau out in 2009, 2010 when he was one of the best hitters in the game. They had Maurer out one year. They had Francisco Liriano out one year. That, that's not an excuse for losing 18 straight, but it does contribute to it. I mean, this is a team that doesn't have, you know, the depth usually that some of the bigger market teams have. And when they go into these series without their stars, and this year they're out without Buxton, uh, and Royce loses DHing instead of playing third base. It's just, I, I just, yeah, I almost feel for them. I'm like, God, can they just get a fair shot at a fully healthy postseason just once? Yeah, but their pitching staff is deep. Their guys have been hitting coming into this wild card. So uh, I'm staying positive and um, I'm hoping that it, it becomes, you know, winning streak number one. <laughs> Topic two despite did, the injury. Yes. Topic two, did the Vikings victory change your change anything about the way you look at this team? Uh, you know, it, it showed me that they they're not giving up and not, no NFL team does. But you you can see the attitude change, you know, and oh, and three can change a team. Um, what I really liked was we already talked about Davenport, but also Cam Akers. He, I don't know if you guys listened to Kirk Cousins at the end of it. I yep. asked him, hey, you know, Cam Akers kind of feels like, you know, he likes the vibe of this team, but he really wants to earn your kind of your confidence. So whatever you can think of him in the past or even at practice, he wants to show it in a game. And so Kirk was saying, oh, my gosh, he was really motivating me because he's in there going out loud. All right, come on, Cam, you've got this, Cam, you got this, got this. And and every time and Kirk was amused, he's like, oh, this guy's bringing some juice. And he said, but then when it wasn't even a play dialed up for him, it was a pass. He's like, OK, come on, you've got this, you've got this. <laughs> so um, to see that, I'm, I'm a, I, you know, I'm. I'm intrigued to see what they can pull off against the Chiefs. Um, it may be a competitive rebuild the whole way around this whole year, but gosh, I'm so glad that going into that locker room game in and game out, it it wasn't talking about a fumble. There was no fumbles. You know, yes, there were two interceptions, and Kirk is beside himself with that first one. I mean, he's like, I'm just so frustrated. Um you know, the, the one that went back 99 yards the other way. I mean, who wouldn't be? He even sacrificed his body, Jim, on that. That was like an angry run back to try to get the guy. But uh, um, I, I, it has changed my opinion in terms of before coming into this, I was like, I don't know. The Chiefs is going to be ugly. And now I'm like, I don't know. They may surprise me uh, on Sunday. That's where my attitude has shifted. All right, let's talk about it. 
Taylor Swift's coming to town, we think. <laughs> we don't really know. And you said you've changed your mind on her. How have you changed your mind? I've changed my mind. Now, the first thing, I don't like publicity stunts, right? So the first one, I was just like, okay, it's to just appease uh, the Swifties. Hey, I like her music. But, I, you know, so I'm like, publicity stunt. We've been in this business a long time. But here's, here's why I like it. You, I just like her. Okay. And I always have, but I like her personality. Um, so, and, and here's where it kind of crosses over into the women's topic that I love so much. Um, now guys are being asked questions. The guys in terms of the athletes are being asked questions that female athletes get all the time. They're being asked about a relationship. They're, you know, they're being asked about other things. So it's kind of interesting to me that the shoe is on the other foot and she seems genuine, just kind of like hugging the mom and, and being into it. So she seems genuine. And now the shoe is on the other foot where the athletes have to answer questions about, do you think it's affecting his play that he's dating a, a female rather than every female athlete in the history has always kind of had her play diminished by kind of a, a sideshow. So I find it to be interesting for me. I, you know, the thing about being a publicity stunt is Taylor Swift doesn't need publicity. Right. But <laughs> I mean, she just doesn't. And Travis Kelsey already had every commercial in the NFL going on before, you know, they, it was revealed they were dating. I mean, these people do not need more attention. So uh, I, you know, I just think, I just like both of them as human beings and I don't care whether they date or not, but I'm certainly not against it. No, before I was just kind of like enough, enough. And now I'm like, well, this is, this is real. This is, this might be real. This is legit. At least it's, it's, it's darling for me, but also, and you brought it up, Travis Kelsey, right? I mean, he's famous to you, but now ticket sales have gone up. Um, they're saying well, ticket prices have definitely gone up. Right. And also, if you look on social media, this cracks me up. It's the, I don't know if you've seen it at all, Jim. It's hilarious where women will ask their husbands or boyfriends or brothers, um, wow, I think that Taylor Swift has made Travis Kelsey famous. <laughs> and they get so mad. They get so uh, mad, right? But and then true. they start they start spewing out his stats, right? Well, no, he was famous before and he was this before. And that's where I'm saying and this. It's not, it's now the shoe is on the other foot because how many times does a woman athlete have to really defend? Well, no, she's actually good. Like, okay, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, there's a great article on it. Katie Kirk has um, sent it out on social media that that's, so for me, I kind of like it. I like that the shoe's kind of on the other foot, that that guys have now got to defend his stats. I know he had the stats. I know who Travis Kelsey was beforehand. But I guess what I'm saying is I'm enjoying the rhetoric now being bandied about. Um, and so for me, it's kind of fun. And oh, yeah. and she just she's just darling. Hey, I was a person I didn't like Adele. Like, you know, like I didn't like her voice. Like I was like, oh my gosh, please don't sing another song about someone doing you wrong and in a whiny voice. And then I love her personality. So I'm I'm always one to be uh turned around, kinda like, oh. and now I'm like, okay. I, I am here for the um for both Kelsey Swift duos. The the one in Philly, as long as they don't hurt the Vikings or other people right now and throw beer cans at, at the fans. Um, and uh, this one, for sure. All righty. Uh, let's go Come into it. 
<laughs> Let's go into agree to disagree. Uh, yes. First topic, Byron Buxton. Okay. My thought is I am, I love Buck. I do. I think he, he in his day, great player. I think he's just been injured now. Um, and as a person, he's great, but I'm, I'm kind of happy, um, that the twins didn't go the sympathetic route and, and keep him on a roster and leave someone else off because we know this about Buck. If he was on the roster and he was in this game, even if he was bound up like with bandages and whatever, he would go a hundred percent through a wall and he may hurt himself forever. So I think the smart thing was done. Agree or disagree with me? Uh, agree, and I'll, but I'll take it in a slightly different direction. Um, I also think it might be uh, – listen, I think the reason they didn't put on the roster is he can't play right now. He just – he's played one game he in center hurt. field all year. Mm-hmm. Royce Lewis is a DH. He would have no role on this team except maybe exactly. pitch running. Uh, but I, I also think there's another aspect of this, whether intentional or not, that could play out well. And that is Buck was trying to get on this roster, and they had to tell him, you haven't done enough. I hope that motivates him to really spend the entire offseason getting that knee right. Uh, and I know he's tried to do it before, but he's also done a lot of things. He's He does these track workouts. You know, he works out at home. I, I hope this motivates him to really get the intense care he needs to get that knee right so when he comes to spring training, he can actually be a center fielder because that's where his value is. Yeah, and, you know, as a person, just aside from, you know, viewing him as, as an athlete, I just feel for him. I mean, I, I've been dealing with a knee injury since the end of June and I can't even imagine what it would be like to be Byron Buxton and have this recur over and over again and to be a professional athlete and have to deal with it because it's also mentally draining as well. So just the human side of it, I feel bad for him in that, that level, but there had to be a business decision made and you're right. Um, He's, he could only play in center field, and he can't play in center field. Yeah, exactly. All right, let's get on to mm-hmm. somebody we don't pro- – well, I'm guessing we don't feel sorry for him. Jimmy Butler and his new hairstyle. <laughs> now, uh, people, you know, I'm definitely on the Jimmy Butler love train. I have adored that guy even when he was here and people didn't like him. You know, I, I love his sass. I like his fire. I, I Everything about him how he plays his game um, straight out and he, he speaks his mind. Uh, this new hairstyle, I just find, I don't know if you haven't seen it, you, you have to Google it. It is straight out of, um, who is the singer? Who's the singer I'm thinking of? Um, I feel uh, good. Who is oh, that? James Brown. He is James Brown. He has James Brown hairdo. If he That's comes out leather pants right and boots, there. Oh my goodness. He, I'm like, that is a James Brown do and I am here for it. Now I'm not sure if it's the best looking on him, but uh, in my, in my book, Jimmy Butler can't do it wrong. So I'm loving it. It's fine. Well, okay. We, we disagree. We don't often disagree. We disagree <laughs> on this one. I love Jimmy Butler as a player. Uh, he is a, he's everything you want in a basketball player. Uh, he drives me crazy as a person. He absolutely stabbed really? Thibodeau. He stabbed Thibodeau in the back here. He ripped all of his teammates on the way out. I mean, if you bring somebody into the Timberwolves and say you're going to be our, our, you know, you're going to be the person who transforms this franchise. Well, two problems with it. that's what Thibodeau wanted. He wanted Jimmy Butler to be his guy. He wanted him to transform the franchise, and he wanted him to turn them into this winner. 
Well, Butler came here just to just to get a paycheck on his way to his next paycheck. And he sold out Thibodeau. Then he ripped instead of making trying to make Carl Anthony Towns better, he just ripped on him. You know, and and Towns' reputation is still devastated from that because everybody, everybody, every NBA fan around the country is now okay. Towns is soft. Jimmy Butler said Towns is soft, so Towns is soft. I, I just his persona off the field, I actually don't like at all. You know, I, and I, again, I have to disagree with you in terms of you know uh, an athlete like Jimmy Butler. We see how he plays. You can't turn that off as a person. You know, I I, th- I think it's unrealistic for people to think he's got that juice and fire on a court and he's not going to have it off the court. Now, backstabbing aside, no, but, you know, if you're going to bring a Jimmy Butler in and you know what he's about and you know how he's going to be, he's going to light fires under his teammates. And if you want him to be Jimmy, he can't you can't turn a Carl Anthony Towns into a Jimmy Butler like their personalities are totally different. So my fault doesn't lie in Jimmy. My fault lies in the thought that you're going to bring him in and, and change the team, you know? So that that's just where it is. It's almost like with Randy Moss. People are like, oh, I loved him on the field, but he shouldn't have done this and this. You can't turn off the juice. You know, you can't have some Clark Kent and then Superman, you know, like that's in the movies. You are who you are. All righty. We with a bad or good hairdo. <laughs> well, it's a bad hair. It is a bad hairdo. We can agree on that. <laughs> Uh, let's, let's talk about women in sports. We're always going to talk about women in sports on this show. Um, the Liberty and the aces are getting ready for finals. And the good thing about that is it's going to be a spectacular series. Maybe the two best players in the world, Brianna Stewart and Asia Wilson, um, you know, two just dominant teams during the regular season. The bad news is they're so good that it doesn't give teams like the Minnesota Lynx much hope because it's going to take a lot to overtake these two teams. Yeah. And, you know, the disappointing thing is, and hey, I am all for women's sports. It's, it's why you're going to make me watch, right? It's the same thing. It's like they're dominant. They're going to, game wise, between the two of them, yes, I want to see Stuart and I want to see Asia. I want to see them go for it. But I, I don't like long term. I see these two teams are going to be good for the long, long term. Like you said, how do the links ink in there? Now, the link surprised me this year, um, but is there going to be parity that stifles the league? That's what I'm, I'm hoping does not happen. Um, but I'm going to get out my popcorn. I'm going to turn on the WNBA. I know some friends that were all about the WNBA, even if the links weren't in it, if the Vikings went 0-4. So um, I don't know, Jim. I, I just need, I need to see a little bit more movement in the WNBA and, I, and I'm not being biased because the Lynx aren't winning year after year. And people thought that about the Lynx. But the Lynx, they had a fight their way many times. There, there were storylines. Maybe I'm looking at it from a journalistic s- standpoint. I'm not sure. What, what's your take? Uh, well, I I think that the Aces, I mean, they basically built through the draft and have mm-hmm. done really well. You know, the Liberty are the team that went out and just got Brandon Stewart and Courtney Vandersloot and added them to, to Nescu. And they're the team that that kind of does it the way so many NBA teams try to just just go sign the biggest free agent and have mm-hmm. him slash her elevate your team and and that's certainly a legitimate way to go. The I don't know I, I guess I bounce back and forth in. I love the fact in baseball 
that it means something to beat the Yankees. Even when the Yankees aren't that good, it still means something to beat them because mm-hmm. you know they're, they're elevated. The Dodgers, they're elevated. They have the they have huge payrolls. They have huge market size. So when you go play them, it means something. So I think it's always good to have teams in your sport that have a target on them. Uh, the prop, the I mean, this is really a provincial problem because the league probably loves having its two best teams in New York and Vegas right now. But for right, Minnesota, right. but for Minnesota sports fans, you know how can the, how can the Lynx compete with that? They went right. after Brianna. They went after Brianna Stewart and Courtney Vandersloot in free agency. They lost. Did not they, get them. Mm-hmm. They lost them to New York because New York is New York. How do how do the Lynx compete with that? I don't know how they compete with it now that there's unfettered free agency in the WNBA. There's more money, and now certain markets have an advantage. Well, you know, you, you said it right there, money. Right. I mean, if you pay them, they will come. But it doesn't grow in trees, as my mom used to say. Right. So how do you get them there? And I still think Cheryl Reeve is a huge draw. People want to play for her. But money is talk. Money talks bigger, you know, than than playing for a championship coach um, and, you know, a Team USA coach. So, hey, people want to go to winners, Jim. So if the it doesn't we've seen it in the past, right? The Yankees right now, you can. Whether you have a big payroll or not, I mean, you, your guys still got to play. So you compare them to it. I think the Lynx, if they just win, team, and if they become a winning team again, I think players will want to play for them. So that's what they got to do. Find right, that well, gem. Yes, uh, they need to do that. Uh, coming Find up, the gem. Our, uh, our conversation with Chad Greenway did, did want to let you know that all energy solar panel installations are done right and made easy thanks to more than 14 years of experience in Minnesota and beyond. All Energy Solar is ready to take any solar project from design to installation and everything in between. This is for your home, your business, or both. Find out more about going solar at allenergysolar.com slash coach. We also want to thank longtime sponsor Rudy Luther Toyota. Ready for a women forward car dealership? Rudy Luther Toyota empowers their many women on staff in sales, management, and service. Whether you are looking for a new Toyota or pre-owned vehicle, Rudy Luther Toyota has something for everyone. Every vehicle comes with a Luther Advantage. 10 cents off fuel and car wash discounts at holiday stations, Luther Advantage warranty, and five-day return policy on pre-owned vehicles. Located just five minutes west of downtown Minneapolis, off 394 and General Mills Boulevard. And they're also hiring. Want to join the team but don't know where to start? Visit RudyLutherToyota.com today. As promised, and uh, and to remind you, that one of the great things about this show is that Don has such great relationships throughout the sports world. We've already had Mark Rose and Jim Cott. This week's guest is Chad Greenway, uh, old friend, uh, great Vikings player, now I uh, now a very active uh, business person, and uh, and. Coach and father. So, Don, I'm going to just hand it off to you and let you you chat with Chad here. Chad, the one thing I absolutely adore about you is, and I find this, but I've had fans come up to me and say, I have to pinch myself and remind myself that Chad's actually still not playing. Because when I see him right away, I want to walk up to him and talk to him about the game. And so you're still very much part of the the football community as well as Minnesota community. So that's that speaks a lot to your character. Do you feel that way? Yeah, well, thanks. First of all, great to be on. Um, great to be able to talk to you again. Obviously, I had a great time, you know, during my actual actual playing career of, of working with you in different ways, and uh, fun to be on the other side of it now. You know, geez, seven seasons out, six seasons out, whatever the heck it's been, it's crazy. Um, you know, I, 
you do I, you do you do pinch yourself because I've been so ingrained in the fabric of Vikings football for so long since 2006, and I think when you play your whole career in one lo- location in one spot, and you kind of have that loyalty with the fan base, uh, they feel like you're part of it, no matter if you're out or not. So I always enjoy that conversation. I've been getting a lot of with the one and you know the one and three start. I've been getting a lot of man. I wish we could still still have you out there playing. I'm like <laughs> I can promise you one thing, that is not something you want. So um, so no, it's it's uh, it's been a lot of fun. Again. The way my, my career took shape and, and how it went was really incredible how lucky I was um, to be able to play in one spot. You know, whenever you talk to people, you're like, that's something that you don't want either, right? Because all the former players like, I'm happy not to get hit every week. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, I don't want any part of the physical piece of it. You know, obviously, as everybody says, the competition, uh, the locker room, um, you know, kind of having that that normal, quote unquote, normal nine to five uh, you know, more like six, six a.m. to six p.m. job. Um, you know, you, you do miss all that. You miss, you miss the day to day. But for the most part, I don't miss the physical part at all. Well, at least you have a, a victory to celebrate, right? Finally, get the zero and three purple monkey off everybody's back and take a deep breath. When, do you watch the games, uh, or do you like find out later? How are you right now? Yeah, so I, I watch when I can live. Obviously, it's always better to watch live. My my kids obviously control my schedule on the weekends and always very busy. So, um, like for example, this past weekend, the Carolina game, I listened to mostly um, iHeart Radio, Radio's coverage uh, in Paul Allen's voice because I was in St. Louis for a soccer showcase for my second daughter Beckett. Um, so you know, I kind of it's kind of hit or miss for me. I watch highlights back, you know, follow along on Twitter, um, and then you know when I can, if I can stream it, I do it. But if I if I'm home, obviously in Minnesota. You know, love to watch them live, but if I can't, I'll I'll go back and tape and then just enjoy them with a cocktail or something at night and and uh, after the fact when I usually already know the result, um, I I'll go back and watch them. So you know, I I probably take in very very few actual live in person games or live games as they're happening. So just because my my weekend schedule is so nuts. You know, I love having you and then also having Jim Suhan here because you guys are very much women supporters. You, Chad, you're the ultimate girl dad. You, you, <laughs> you didn't even mean to take that banner on, but you've taken it and you run with it and you love it. Your, your daughters, your wife, everyone is so athletic. How has that changed you to see how they have been so competitive and, and become athletes themselves? Yeah, I mean, I always say, you know, football gave me a lot of things. Obviously, you know, a chance to live my dream, a chance to financially make some really good money, you know, as a young age and and build so many relationships with people. But what it really did is it gave me time to raise my kids. And, you know, I, re- I retired when Madden was in third grade. And um, I was a, wow. you know, a multi-sport athlete growing up. And, I you know, I really enjoyed the idea of, okay, well, I have, you know, all these girls and not one of them is going to play football. Um, although my oldest has been asked several times to be the kicker for the high school football team because mm. um, she's she's quite the soccer player. So um, so you know, it's fun for me because I get to kind of see it from a different lens. And I've coached them mostly in uh, in their younger ages in soccer. I've coached them, you know, in their kind of middle school ages for basketball. And the biggest thing is I've just been there to develop them, not only as people, but as athletes and mentalities. And, and um, you know, my wife was an athlete at Iowa as well. So, you know, we kind of we kind of live and breathe it here at our house, you know, starting with academics. But more importantly, just holding yourself to a really high standard. Um, and you don't have to be just a pretty face. You don't have to be just an athlete. You can be all things. Um, and, you know, they obviously were, have been gifted some decent genetics. Um, but really, what I, what I want to give my kids, is, 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 especially my girls, is a sense of independence, a sense of pride in themselves, um, and also a sense of accomplishing something they put their minds to. And, you know, 
my kids have had some some pretty good success in their early careers and early lives and um, people always just think you know they they've had things handed to them but I can tell you one thing uh, my girls are extremely hard workers and it's fun to be able to help them along the path and help them realize their own dreams, you know, rather than trying to live through my own uh, experiences that let them have their own. So it's been really fun for me. You know, uh, it's an excellent point you make that they have to work for it. And also last week we talked about the importance of women being in sports and even as girls, because what it can do for you as you get older and you get into the, the working world. Right. And there was a recent study that we talked about last week, Chad, that had, um, like 85% of girls that played sports when they were younger, competitive sports, went on to be CEOs. And they said that 93% that make over $100,000 a year played some sort of competitive sports in their youth. Um, And I'm not saying it's all about money, but they also learned leadership. They learned how to work out problem solving, you know, like group dynamics. So, um, you don't have to be an athlete, but they're just saying if you go that route, it really emboldens a lot of young girls. And I said, I am that person. You know, it's, I'm I am a product of Title Nine. I'm the first person to admit it. It it gave me. I was raised with brothers, and I did not need to, you know, learn to fight my way out of anything. Like I I held my own with my brothers, but it's the dynamics when you move on in school and in business. Um, basically what I do now, I'm just on a different team. You know, you're still working yep. for a common goal and you're still going at it. So do you find that you can see that in your girls as well? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, the reality is, is, you know, sports can be used in a lot of different ways and a lot of different avenues and, and it can be used positively in so many different directions. I think um, having young female athletes, you know, the one thing that emboldens them to do is, is create a level of independence for themselves and belief in oneself that they can accomplish things, you know, especially hard things. I think, that really explains a lot when you right. can say, hey, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to do it the hard way and, and not take the easy way out. And when you can prove to yourself that you can accomplish hard things, um, you know, then you just take on bigger and bigger challenges. And I think um, sports is going to open up um, some crazy avenues for, for my girls, I hope. Um, meet a lot of people, create a lot of fun, lasting memories, um, not only in high school, but obviously if they're able to play in college or beyond. Um, you know, where can they take that and how can they use it? You know, I, I always – think the biggest thing you can give your kids is the ability to network and the ability to meet people that maybe is outside of their circle to give them opportunities if they put themselves in that position. And uh, we talk about that all the time is how are you going to, not only how are you going to live, right? What's your intent, but also how are you going to present yourself um, and given an opportunity? You know, what, what are you going to stand for um, when you've been given that opportunity to stand up and say, Hey, here's who I am. And I think that will serve them very well in sports. You know, you know, I grew up in a, in a farm in the middle of nowhere and, and my responsibilities and chores you know, dictated the success of my family business, the farm. And so, you know, my chores might look a lot different than, you know, my kids' chores, that's for sure. Um, so really we use sports also as a way, a, a way to have, you know, hard times, sacrifices, um, you know, come back from injury, deal with hardship and loss. Um, you can kind of use it as a vehicle for motivation, but also as a, just some life lessons that, you know, I, I think you look at athletics across the board, it's, it teaches so many different lessons. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I was just having a conversation with um, one of the uh, girl that I'm mentoring in college. And, and I said, if I did not get injured playing sports in college, I probably wouldn't have my job because it allowed me to do an internship. But it also coming back from the injury, like you said, teaches you how to go through it mentally, physically, um, socially, all of the above. So that's, that's just a perfect, strong um, 
lessons right there. And you know what you said dovetails perfectly into it's just kind of your life's mission with your lead the way foundation. Um, it's going strong. You, 13 years later, you have your celebrity waiter um, at Manny's um, fundraiser coming up October 9th. Tell us about that. And did you ever think it would be going on 13 years? Yeah, I mean, so in, you know, when we got drafted to Minnesota, um, you know, we have, hey, you know, what's something in the community that would be interesting to you, um, you know, in the community, you know, dealing with different foundations or different people, like, who would you like to work with? Would you like to work with kids, blah, blah, blah. They ask you all these questions. And I think the one thing that, you know, for us, for Jenny and I was like, well, we both had lost a, a grandmother to cancer, to breast cancer. So we started kind of in the uh, work with Zeta Tau Alpha and the Breast Cancer Awareness Group. Um, that was really enjoyable. We felt really good about that work. And then we had our daughter, Madden, 2007. And when you have a child, it kind of, you see things from a different lens. And we understood really quickly that no matter how much money or things we had, you know, childhood disease doesn't care about any of those things. Um, it impacts everybody. And um, we just said, you know what, let's go make a difference here. And we started working with different hospitals. We created a foundation, as you mentioned, the Lead the Way Foundation, who uh, has impacted, you know, hundreds of thousands of people in different ways, um, different programs, lots of moms, lots of families, lots of sick kids. Um, and it's enjoyable to look back at those years and say, man, we've made a dramatic impact. And when I retired, I fully thought that the foundation may have to go away. You just don't know what is going to happen as you retire. You know, there's nothing more irrelevant than a former athlete. And I thought, well, let's just see how it goes and let's keep it going. And uh, reality is, is we had built, you know, so many relationships with different companies, people, businesses that we said, you know what, let's, let's keep going. And it's actually gotten stronger and stronger as I've gotten away from the game, which is kind of weird. Um, but it goes to show you that life is all about relationships. Life's all about connection and, uh, and people looking for that connection, those relationships. And then, you know, just being your authentic self is a corny way of saying, Hey, I'm, I am who I am. You can take it or leave it, but this is, this is who I'm going to be. So, um, I just love that approach to life. It's, it's the way I grew up with my folks and, and back home in South Dakota. Um, this never had to try to impress somebody just, you know, be myself, but that's not enough. I guess that's on you. You know, that's what, when you're saying that, like nothing, um, we're, you know, then an irrelevant athlete, I'm like, Oh, come on. No, like everyone still <laughs> thinks of you as a Viking anyway, whether you're playing or not, you're always a Viking. Right. And, and you give out so much. So the people, they just want, on it. You're a touchstone still. Like you, Ben Lieber, the, what you do in the community and just who you are as people. Like you can't fake that stuff. It's almost like being on TV when people say you're in their homes, right? So you are too. You've been in their homes. So you, you can't fake who you are at, at this point. Um, and now you also have your great spirits. So you're, you're an, I'm the light for, um, we already spoke about the women, but you shine the light also for young men that are like, okay, like there is a life outside of football. Yeah. I mean, so when I retired, obviously the, the question, next question becomes like, what do you do now? You know, like, where do you go? What do you do? Obviously I'm coaching my kids and kind of becoming a part of the fabric of the community. The first thing I did actually post retirement was, uh, become the president of the Wyzetta Girls Basketball Association, which is, um, the largest youth basketball association in Minnesota. Uh, just because it's affiliated with the Wyzetta School District, and um, I've been I've been the president of that association for seven years. Um, so you know, my first job was was perfectly appropriate as an unpaid position, and one of the hardest things to do, which is run a youth association these days. Uh, but I've really found joy in doing that. And then um, uh, the next thing was I got approached by a group of guys that said, "Hey, we want to start a real business around this concept of Duck Duck Gray Duck and this Gray Duck brand." And 
I said no a few times before I said yes. Um, and quite honestly, it's been one of the one of the most amazing things I've ever I've ever done because I took you know a group of us, four of us that had zero industry experience in the spirits category or in alcohol at all, and said, "Hey, we're going to go try something." And we've done it, and we've built um, now quite quite the company, quite the business that's got all sorts of different kind of fingers in different different spots, and and uh, it's causing all sorts of havoc now in the NIL space with the Gophers, and you know it's just doing a lot of good as well, you know. So and of course, uh, as appropriate to me is I had to have a, be a part of it, give back to the community. We found ways and creative ways of giving back to lots of different community um, uh, community ventures, and I think we're almost at a half a million dollars given away over the last five years, which is crazy. Um, but again, it just goes to show you, you build a relationship with the community wow, of people. Wow, that's amazing. Soda. I mean, it can, yeah, it's, it's been, it's been cool to see it, see it grow. And then now to, you know, see where we're at. It's, it's crazy how far we've come. Wow. Congratulations. And uh, being a, I'm not a coffee lover in terms of, I don't drink like five cups a day, but once I moved to Minnesota, I realized not only with the weather, but also my crazy schedule, I'm going to have to learn to have coffee. And <laughs> and you've got this new caribou blend of the spirit. So, like, you have mixed two wonderful things together. Uh, whose brainchild was that, and how well is that launch going? Yeah, so that was a that was a reach out again. Relationships. That was a reach out to uh, the CEO of Caribou Coffee and a, a connection I had made at some point in your manifold career, and has become a an acquaintance friend and I said, Hey, would you, would you sit down with us on this and just see, let's just see where this goes. And he said, yep, let's sit down and, and meet as a team. And, uh, it, it was, it was just kind of, it was a perfect storm and, you know, a couple of years of build up and preparation and putting together a, an actual recipe that works and getting all the moving parts put together. We launched on Friday of last week to just a absolute crazy, enjoyable fan base of, of a product that seems like it was just a lifetime in the making, but it's finally here and on our doorstep, and it's it's awesome to see the response to it. Uh, it's a great product. I mean, it's it's a spiked nitro cold brew. So at its base, it's it's made with uh, Caribou's cold blue cold brew blend, um, and it's it's kind of gassed up under nitro, which makes it a really smooth, velvety finish when you drink it. Um, it's really incredible. Then obviously it's our great up, uh, spirits put back into that and, uh, it's 7% alcohol by volume. It's served in a 12 ounce can, a slim can and the marks and logos of, of great duck and caribou are on there. It's a pretty special thing for us and we're very, very proud of it. And, uh, you know, we just want to infuse the market with it. We want to get it out into as many people's hands as possible and, and let it expand from there because we know how good of a product it is. So yeah, it's, that part's been a lot of fun. Of course, we have our Grey Duck Vodka. We have a Grey Duck Seltzer. Um, and we have a pre-batch cocktail called Muddled uh, with a company out of New Ulm, which is really incredible. So we're really expanding, and you know maybe we can touch on this next. But we just uh, we launched a beer with uh, Dinky Town Athletes uh, here just last week as well. So we've had a lot of things going on recently. Oh, tell us more about that. Like you already said that, the, you know, with the NIL, things are taking off. So uh, the sky's the limit then on that. Well, yeah, you may have, you know, I know that uh, Coach Fleck has been in the media about, you know, talking about the NIL and talking about how, you know, Minnesota's got to get in front of it. And, and he literally had said that about a day before we launched uh, Duck Duck Beer. Uh, we launched that beer, a uh, really easy drinking light beer uh, in collaboration with Surly. Um, but what it is, is it's a connected to Dinkytown athletes. So uh, if you go out and buy a 12 pack of our Duck Duck Beer or our Fan Pack Seltzer 12 pack, uh, 20% of those proceeds go directly to Dinkytown Athletes, which is the collective, um, as we all try to understand what this, all these words mean. A collective is a group of people that have come together to raise money 
to be able to produce NIL contracts or deals for, you know, go for athletics to stay really competitive in this crazy, ever-changing collegiate world. Um, you know, even if you don't agree with it, the reality is it's moving forward in that direction. So um, the proceeds of those of those products go direct to go to uh, Dickytown Athletics. So if you go buy a 12 pack of Duck Duck beer or, tw- or the 12 pack fan pack seltzer, 20 percent of that is going direct to Dinkytown athletes. That's a deal we have in place with them. And, um, and you know, Coach Fleck actually gave us a shout out after the game and after the win. You know, go for fans, go drink Duck Duck beer because this is going to help us stay competitive in this ever-changing environment. So we're very proud of it. We think it's a really good, and cl- fun, collaborative idea. Um, it kind of puts all things, you know, all all oars in the water, so to speak, uh, for talking go for athletics. <laughs> Chad, I just think that that is just amazing, um, a way to just get the whole university and Gophers fans in because this is a crazy new world with NIL. And I'd be remiss, though, if I didn't go back to the Vikings in terms of craziness and talk about, first of all, Harry Smith, three sacks, force fumble. Yeah, Marcus Davenport coming on. He says he didn't really do much. He says he's out of shape, but I think he was a difference maker. So just football-wise, when you see your defense, because you never let it go, what did that bring to mind? To you. Oh man, I mean, it, it's what this football team needed. I mean, at the end of the day, you look at this where this team started 0 3, you know, two tough home losses. And, you know, losing at home in the NFL is just an absolute death sentence to your season. So to start that way 0 2, you essentially, you know, ha- had to go to Carolina to have any semblance of a season and win. And they got that accomplished. Obviously, defensively, to see Harry play like young Harry and go out there and make all sorts of fun plays was so great to see. Um, so happy for him. Love that guy so much. He's just a he's just a just an awesome Viking, and and he'll be in the Ring of Honor and the Hall of Fame at some point in his career because uh, he's just done. He's made that big of an impact. If you look at the numbers, it's it's crazy. So very happy for him. You know, Davenport. You know, at the end of the day, you know, it's about making an impact when you give it an opportunity. And obviously, he's been he's had some ups and downs this preseason. Lots of opinions out there of him specifically, but to go out there and make an immediate impact is is what we were looking for. It's what we need. And again, this football team can beat anybody. Again, we're sitting there one and three. We're in no way in a position to get cocky, arrogant, or anything else. But this is a team that, you know, I would I'd not be shocked at all if we beat the Chiefs this weekend at home. I mean, I just wouldn't be. I think we're a team that can do that. We're capable of it. We've got to win those tight games. And, you know, the Chiefs haven't exactly been dominating teams, but they've been winning games. And I think that's just the slight difference. And what makes the NFL so crazy good is the parity across the board. So, um, you know, if you want any semblance of an opportunity, got to win maybe the hardest game on the schedule this weekend uh, when Kansas City comes to town. And I'll be here for it, watching with popcorn when that happens. And I hope it, I hope mm-hmm. it does. Amen. All right. I'm going to leave you with this. We always peel back the curtain. We do appreciate your, your time so much. We, uh, you have so many balls in the air that you're juggling. Your time is valuable. So thank you. But uh, we like to peel back the curtain to a little bit behind the scenes. And so here's my behind the scenes story with you and people, you know, this one, what I'm going to tell you. Um, I, um, many years ago, fans don't know this. It was kind of just a perfect storm, but I fainted in the Vikings locker room. And one of the, it was right in Chad's corner there in the, in the old facility where it was right by the the locker in the showers and it was just a tight space and I wasn't feeling great to begin with. Anyway, I pass out. And so who was the first person there? Well, it was Eric Sugarman, Chad Greenway. And Chad, I remember saying to me like, you know, well, what was the last thing you saw? And I went, 
be Rob's face. And, yeah. you know, I was a little <laughs> nervous at that point, but you were like the a big brother. I would say you and Ben Lieber were like the big brother to me in the locker room that were kind of like you were right there to take care of me I was fine um but you're like you made a joke which I loved you said well I would probably faint if I always saw B-Rob's face (laughs) wait a minute I do see B-Rob's face um just people don't know that the behind the scenes they always think oh what's it like in the locker room but it for me I can speak of that I feel like I'm talking to brothers I'm watching playing football and I, I personally just wanted to thank you for that because we're there every day. We see you guys. We're in the trenches, and the relationships are formed on that level as well. Oh, no question. I remember that like it was yesterday. It was a, it was a scary, scary time, scary experience. I've, I've been around a few of those situations, and I always feel like I was kind of one of those people uh, when there's something going on that makes people really, really uncomfortable, like a situation like that. I always want to be the one that's running to that to help. Um, just I guess it just you know, one of those things that comes natural. Um, and I just, you know, enjoy to be able to be there and to help. And I, th- I do think that that relationship in the locker room, especially with the everyday beat reporters is so important because that you get a sense of the real personality of them. You know, it's, and, and it certainly was a good experience in Minnesota. We had a lot of great media members who just absolutely just asked the right questions, appropriate questions, would it would hit you with the hard hitting questions when they needed to, but wouldn't overstep. We're always very respectful and I always, always really appreciated it and, and became, you know, really, I think a, a big advantage for me and how I tried to treat the media and have a lot of fun, uh, but be serious at the same time, because, you know, inevitably if you, if you get them, you know, quote unquote on your side per se, because you're being your yourself, you know, it, it makes it a lot harder to write negative pieces. And I, and, you know, not in any way was I faking it. I was just being myself. And, um, I feel like sometimes, you know, it's, it's hard cause you don't want, you don't have the days where you want to speak or you're, or you're having a really hard time during the season or either personally or as a team. And it's not always fun, but I always feel like our media, you included, always did a great job of just, um, you know, making it comfortable, making it easy. Um, and it's not that I didn't take my times to avoid the uh, media at times because everybody has some of those, but, um, you know, it was, it was very enjoyable of my time in the locker room as well. Oh, well, Chad Greenway, you're always a delight. I am, I'm thrilled. I'm going to see you for your, your celebrity waiter event at Manny's coming up Monday, October 9th. That's going to be great. Um, I, I'm encouraging people, Hey, support the NIL, go out there and, and get the beer and also get the caribou blend because um, I've tried it. That's awesome. So um, yes. this is not a paid advertisement, by the way. I'm just saying that I have tried this on my own and I have loved all of it. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> Chad, thank you so much. Yeah, I'm looking forward to having you on Monday night. It's always a it, it's always a fun event, and I think that uh, you'll have a good time. And you're a celebrity dawn that night, so we're we're looking forward to to having you. It'll be very fun. So thanks for having me on. Great to hear your voice, and uh, we'll see you on Monday. All right. See, we're doing the celebrity in air quotes. I'm just happy I'm not on, on crutches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously. All right. Hey, All right, thank thanks, you, Chad. Chad. Have Appreciate a great it, day. Man. We'll see you on Monday. <laughs>